Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, church. Great to be with you on this fallback Sunday. So this is the bright and early crew. And so I looked up this word glocal. It's not there. Not, Not in the dictionary. But I think if it was, it would say Sea Vanguard Church. Not only because you coined the word, but I also think that under the leadership of Pastor Kelly and Pastor Fike, you live it out well. Living out, showing and sharing the love of Christ, not only here locally, but also abroad. And I know we feel that at our ministry at Life Network. And I know many of you here are familiar with what we do to see life valued and to see lives transformed. A little bit about me personally and my calling to value life, it actually dates back to the first year of my wife Stephanie and I's marriage. And so we've been married for 28 years, and we were blessed in the very first year of our marriage to get plugged into an awesome couples Sunday school class. It was nine couples. And we were all in the first year of our marriage. In fact, uh, following up on social media and everything else, eight of our couples are still married. So it was a really just a sweet season. And of those nine couples, there were eight couples that were in their 20s. And then there was a sage wisdom couple. They were in their 30s. Mike and Carol actually were their names, like the Brady's. And Mike really was a mentor to some of us younger guys, including myself. And one day, I remember Mike saying something that, at least at that point, at age 23, I had never heard before. He said this, you know, when it comes time for election season, which we're actually in, uh, he said, you know, the, the number one thing that I look at is where does somebody stand on valuing life? And I was fascinated by that. Now, I've heard other people say similar things since then. But at age 23, I was like, really, of all of the things that you could look at, um, why is that most important? And actually, out of that, Mike led us through a four-week study on all Scripture has to say about life. Now, we don't have four weeks this morning, but I am going to top line some key passages where God does command us as believers to value life. And the reality is, valuing life is not principally a political issue. And if it was, I don't know that I would do what I'm doing. It's a biblical issue. And certainly, politics is a realm where it can be lived out. But it makes sense that because valuing life is close to the heart of God, the enemy works incredibly hard to oppose that and to deceive believers and unbelievers alike regarding what is true when it comes to valuing life. And so that's why I believe as believers, it's vital we know what Scripture says regarding life. And in this passage in Colossians 2, verse 8, we're told to see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, 
according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. And so this morning, I do want to share seven truths about the value of life. And with each one, we'll first look at what the culture says, and then we'll look what is true biblically and at times medically. And I think the first myth that I want to expose from our culture this morning is that life and abortion is somehow just a woman's issue. And I'm sure as I look out at men here this morning, and if you're like me, you have felt this at times. And so, uh, especially maybe those of you who went to a, a, a secular university, as I did for my undergraduate degree. And so, I went to the University of Kansas, and Pastor Kelly and I have a lot of fun with that come basketball season, where... I, I actually root for the team where the letters are in the correct order, KU, and then he roots for this UK team. And the reality is, I, I gained a lot of knowledge in my time at the University of Kansas, but I didn't always gain a lot of wisdom. And one of the unwise things that I came away with is that this lie, that life is a woman's issue, and as a man, I should be silent. But that's not what Scripture says. And the first truth I want to share this morning is that life is a biblical issue for men and for women. And there are many passages in Scripture that call us as Christian men and women to value life. And let's look at just a handful of them this morning. So in the first five days, God creates the galaxies and the land and the sky and the animals and more. And on day six of creation, we read this. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the very image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. As men and as women, we were created and are image bearers of our almighty God. We were also designed for a unique, special purpose. In Jeremiah 1.5, we read this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. Or the NIV puts it this way. Before you were born, I set you apart. God had a plan for each and every one of us before we were even conceived. And there's nothing about these truths that apply to women only. Now, there are examples in Scripture where, as men, we are uniquely called to protect women and children. And when God's people are in danger of invasion in Nehemiah 4, Nehemiah issues this special calling to the men of that time. He says this, I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. In this passage, men are specifically called to protect women and children. Now, in our pregnancy centers, we regularly meet women who wish that the, father, that the partner that, that they're with, the father of that baby, did not believe the lie of our culture that he should stay 
out of it. And in fact, the number one thing we hear from the men that we serve is that very thing. It's her decision. And I think about a couple that our director of men's services, Rob, told me about recently, who I'll call Greg and Kim. And Greg actually said uh, to Rob, as, he, as so we're meeting with her, and we're talking to her about her, and Rob's meeting with Greg. And Greg says, you know what, I'm, I'm pro-choice, and, and you know, I think um, I'm going to support her whatever she decides to do. And Rob says, okay, I understand that, but Greg, what is it that you want? And Greg paused, and he said, well, I want to be a dad. And Rob said, well, have you told Kim that? He said, no, I haven't. I haven't felt like it's, it's my place to do that. And so Rob stopped right then and actually went across the hall, and they had a conversation. And out of that conversation and additional care from the team, Kim and Greg chose to parent. Now Kim and Greg are married, and they've had a second child even in the wake of that decision, overcoming that lie that Greg initially believed. And as another striking example of the power of men, and I mentioned this uh, in, the, in the intro, you know, 87% of the time that a mom meets her baby via ultrasound at our centers, she chooses life. If the father of the baby is there as well, and this is a national statistic, that number goes to 97%. Nearly always, if mom and dad are there together, they are going to choose to parent. Women want men to be engaged when it comes to life, and as men, we are called to be. All right, the next two myths are the primary defenses that our culture uses for allowing abortion. And the first is the one that's been the longest standing one, that life doesn't begin until birth. And this used to be the primary defense for abortion until... Science caught up with Scripture, and it became so obvious and evident that that isn't true. And so now, more common, we hear a, vari a variation of a woman's life is more valuable than her unborn baby. And that's what's being expressed when you hear a phrase like, my body, my choice. It ignores the life of the baby entirely and focuses on the baby's mother but what is true biblically is that life begins at conception and all human life is valuable. And one of my favorite passages that illustrates this is this passage from Psalm 139, verses 13 through 17, where the psalmist says this, "'You formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made.'" Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me. When as yet, there was none. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Each one of us here and every one of us here on earth was wonderfully made, made in the image of God and set apart for a specific purpose. And that's true of every human life ever conceived. 
You know, I received a text from Pastor Kelly this morning saying he was praying for these services and praying for a time, and actually in his studies this morning reminded me of another passage in in Proverbs 6, verses 16 and 17. And in that passage, there are seven things listed that the Lord detests, among them haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that kill the innocent. And I think it would be easy to argue that the most innocent among us are preborn children. Finally, guess what, guys? There's just 49 days until Christmas. 49 days, so begin to think about what you might get your, your significant other. But it won't be long before we're celebrating the birth of our Savior. And in the story of Christ's birth in Luke 1, we see that the first person to recognize Jesus was actually a preborn child. Luke 1:41 says this, when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Before he was even born, John the Baptist, as a preborn child, rejoiced in the arrival of our Savior. Yes, biblically, life begins at conception made in the image of God. Now, as Christians, that should be enough for us, but until someone comes to know the Lord, unbelievers will be more convinced by what is medically true. So let's take a quick look at that. The human heartbeat actually begins at three weeks, three weeks into pregnancy. Now, at our centers, we can't detect that as much as sonograms and ultrasounds have advanced in the last even just decade, we can detect a heartbeat between five and six weeks. And so as early as five weeks and sometimes three or four days, we're able to introduce a mom to her baby and show her life that is happening. And actually, uh, with permission, uh, I've got an ultrasound image to share here this morning. Every day, we introduce women to their babies through ultrasound images like the one that you'll see here. In fact, this last year, we did a record 994 ultrasounds. And I'll tell you a quick story about a woman I'll call Emily. Emily's the single mother of one child. And one of the things that surprised me when I first came as president of Life Network almost six years ago is that There are women who already have a child that at times are still vulnerable to abortion, and Emily was one such woman. Uh, Financially struggling, the father of that baby was not going to be engaged in this pregnancy, and she was just feeling the weight of that. And so one of the things that we do is we talk talk to her about her situation, talk to her about uh, the life of the child that she has and how much she enjoys her first child, and then we introduced her to her baby via ultrasound. And when Emily saw the strong heartbeat of her seven-week-old, four-day child, Emily chose to parent. Biblically, medically, life begins at conception and is worthy of protection. Now, one of the enemy's greatest lies that he wants people to believe is that somehow the taking of preborn life, or what we call abortion, is no big deal. That it'll have no long-term consequences. 
I know from talking to many women and men who have previously experienced abortion that that's not true. There's physical, psychological, emotional, and spiritual implications of past abortions. And that there's actually a lie of the enemy that I think is even greater because of the wedge that it drives between those who've experienced abortion and between our almighty God, and it's this. Abortion is somehow unforgivable. And that lie straight from the pit of hell leads women and men to believe that they should hide a past abortion out of hurt or shame or somehow a belief that God will never forgive that. And one of the first churches I spoke at, I just had five, five minutes. And when you have five minutes to share about a ministry that does several things, there are things that you have to leave on the cutting room floor. And so I was thinking, I probably won't talk about our post-abortion healing ministry. But I felt God's nudge very clearly that morning to step into that. And so in about 30 seconds, I just shared that Life Network has a ministry called Bridges of Hope. And in that ministry, we get to meet women and men who have experienced the hurt of a past abortion and to help them understand that no sin is beyond the forgiveness of God. And one of the things that's most powerful is when women do that in a group together and they see their story in the stories of others. And there's a profound healing that happens over the course of nine weeks or a weekend retreat that we sometimes do. And so I shared that, and then I moved on from, from that point. And a woman came up to me, probably in her 60s, after that service, and she shared her story. And just the hurt and in her mind, uh, the words that she used were just the wreckage that the enemy had created in her life as a result of that. When she was done, she said this, you're just the second person that I've ever told. That is serious shame that the enemy had heaped upon her, and she was able to find hope and healing. The truth is, there is no sin that puts you beyond the grace and forgiveness of our almighty God. The enemy loves it when we decide that there's somehow certain sin that's unforgivable. But the truth of Scripture is this. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, we read this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. No sin puts you beyond the reach and forgiveness of God, and that includes abortion. One woman who received healing in the wake of a past abortion said this to me. She said, our histories don't shame us, they shape us. And God is ready to welcome back broken sinners. And so if you or someone you know has this in their history, uh, know that uh, I will be at a table and back after and would be happy to share information about that program. The next lie that's put forth by those of the world is that pro-life Christians somehow only care about the baby. How many of you have heard that before? I know many of us see that maybe on social media, right? But the truth of Scripture is that pro-life Christians, as pro-life Christians, we were called to care about and value all human life. And I know one of the things that drew me to Life Network was that womb-to-the-tomb approach. And in Ezekiel 18.4, we read this, all souls are mine, the soul of the Father as well as the soul of the Son is mine. 
So prior to my time as president of Life Network, I was on the board for almost six years. And there are a lot of things that I could have done with my time. But when I heard about Life Network's overarching approach to value life in classrooms and helping young people understand that they have tremendous value and can make valuable decisions out of that when it comes to relationships and sexuality, when I heard about the pregnancy centers at the ministry, when I heard about the care that happens after a mom chooses to parent, um, I said, that is something that I feel called to be a part of. And early in my first year as president, I went to a two-hour presentation by a group called the Vitae Foundation. And I will synthesize that two-hour presentation down to five words. So this was data and research that was done, and it was specifically done to understand um, what it is that women and men, particularly women, are feeling when they face an unexpected pregnancy, and how can you effectively, meaningfully minister to them in that moment. And the five words that will make the biggest difference, and since you all probably don't have ultrasound machines, these could be five words that you can remember if you ever find yourself in that circumstance, and they are these. Talk to her about her. Talk to her about her. If it's a man, talk to him about him. Because first and foremost, that's what they're thinking. They're thinking about the dreams that will end as a result of this pregnancy that they weren't expecting. Lies of the enemy, but the reality is, until you address that, they're not even gonna be able to begin to think about the child that they're expecting. Talk to her about her. And we do that every day in our centers. In fact, more than 2,000 parenting appointments this past year after women made courageous decisions to parent. You know, there's another myth that I think is increasingly becoming common in the wake of the Roe reversal earlier this year, and it's that pro-life pregnancy centers are fake clinics. And it's a smear leveled by those who aren't just pro-choice, but are pro-abortion and want to see abortion advocated ahead of everything. And the business review site Yelp actually has added a warning label to pregnancy centers like ours around the country. And it's actually at the very top of our listing. And we've tried to pursue removing it. I know other centers have as well because it's patently untrue. And it actually says that centers like ours typically provide limited medical services. What they're really saying is we don't provide abortion. And that they may not have licensed medical professionals on site be like putting a warning on top of a mechanic's website and saying they may not have certifications necessary to work on cars. Well, the truth is most pregnancy centers and virtually all in cities of any kind of size offer medical services provided by medical professionals. And know this, here at our three Colorado Springs pregnancy centers, they're served by 19 medical professionals. That's eight staff nurses, nurses who are paid staff, seven nurses who volunteer time, and then two physicians and two EMTs. I feel like, and a partridge and a pear tree. 19 medical professionals across all that we do. And our nurses and paid staff provide medical 
care in the form of STD testing and treatment, and that treatment includes prescriptions from our medical director, who's a physician. We have registered nurses and physicians who have gone through the rigorous ultrasound training necessary to do those scans. All of this is what's true, and it would be easy to get frustrated by lies of the enemy through groups such as Yelp. But the scripture calls us to something tough. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26, we read this. The Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring all evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. That last phrase there, being captured by him or captured by lies, I think of like a, a prisoner of war. There's a veil over the eyes of people who are not walking with God. They don't see what we see. And when somebody's repeating the lie or any of these lies that, you know, pregnancy centers aren't providing recal, real care, they're just repeating something that they've heard said, or they're saying you're fake because you don't provide abortion. All right, the next myth is one that our 2022 experience has proven untrue, and it's that political action alone will end abortion. Now, let me be clear. It is a huge deal, huge deal, that after 49 years, Roe versus Wade is overturned. And I will tell you this, I saw data just the other day, conservatively, at least 10,000 babies' lives have been saved since just June. Yeah, praise God, right? 10,000 little lives. And the only reason that number isn't double or triple that is border states to states that have eliminated abortion as an option and women and men finding ways to, to cross into those states. At just a quick state of our country, there are 14 states now that have profound protections for the preborn. The majority, or 30 of them, have what I'll call viability laws. And that's where they've set a date, typically around the age of viability, which is when uh, a baby can be born healthy. So that would be at like the 21, 22-week mark. Some are a little earlier, some are later. That's where the majority of our country finds themselves. And then there are six states that allow abortion until birth. And sadly, we are sitting in one of them. Earlier this year, our legislature affirmed longstanding legislation that Colorado allow abortion until birth. And so sadly, while the Lord can do anything, we are likely far from ending abortion here. But I think the bigger and most important challenge is to change hearts and minds for Jesus Christ. In John 10.10, we read that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Boy, I can think of no stronger example of that than abortion. The second half of that verse is the hope of Christ. Christ came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Christ came for us so that we could have abundant life with him. And that means more people coming to a saving knowledge 
of Jesus Christ. This last year, our staff had over 2,500 spiritual conversations with the clients and parents that we get to serve. 2,500 conversations. And one of those was a young man that we met from Texas. So this couple came up from Texas. They were in their final year of college. And the front part of this story is tragic and doesn't end well. We got to see them. We got to introduce their baby to them via ultrasound. But that mom just couldn't see past the end of her future self. And sadly, she chose abortion. God is not done with that couple, and God was not done with that young man. And so somebody in our team spent time with him while he was in the building, and he was really, really struggling with that decision. They left, but before they did, we told that young man, um, hey, if you want to continue to talk, if you want to continue the conversation after this, um, let's set up a weekly video call. And so one of the guys on our men's services team did that, and they met weekly for weeks. And I think it was week seven that that young man, just in a state of brokenness, decided he was at the end of himself and chose to follow Jesus Christ. So again, that was not how I would have chosen to write that story, but that is how God has written the story in that young man. And that young man is one of 69 individuals who have made decisions for Christ that we know of in the last 12 months. Yes, we want to preserve life, but we also want people to live an abundant life in Christ. And know this, if you were bold enough to pray the prayer, God, use me to share Christ with those around me, I have found that that is a prayer that God will answer. The final lie of the enemy that I want to dispel this morning is this that somehow abortion is too big of a problem. And I know we can feel that here in a state where our laws are the way they are, and it's that nothing meaningful can be done. And the enemy would love for us to just bask in that lie, to just believe that in a state that allows abortion until birth, there's really nothing meaningful we can do. But the final truth I wanna share this morning is this, with God, all things are possible. You know, we read in Matthew 19, a rich man who dejectedly leaves a conversation with our Savior after hearing that his wealth should be given up because it's a barrier to following him. And then we read this. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. With Christ, in Christ, and through Christ, all things are possible, and no one is beyond the reach of God. And last June, I, I was at a conference of a 1,000 people. You got to pick a seat, and I picked a seat, and I started up a conversation with the woman sitting next to me. This is a woman named Patty. And as we got to talking, Patty shared her story of how she used to perform abortions as a physician. And this was 20, 30 years ago. And then God had the scales fall from her eyes, and she realized what she was doing. And now she was there uh, as a pro-life physician to talk to, in a unique, unique way, 
what she saw when she was an abortion doctor, and now the hope of life. God completely transformed the heart of a woman that had performed hundreds of abortions in South Dakota. I think about Abby Johnson's story of running one of the busiest Planned Parenthoods in our country and God getting a hold of her heart. I think about one of the two founders of NARAL, the North American Abortion Rights Action League, one of the principal parties that saw Roe versus Wade come to fruition, and he became a believer in Jesus Christ. No one is beyond the reach of our almighty God. It was a Sanctity of Human Life Sunday a couple, three years ago, three years ago, actually, and at the end of my message, somebody came up to me, and they said, Rich, I'm tired of pretending to care about life. I'd never heard that before. So what do you mean by that? And he said, well, I've always said that I'm pro-life, but I've never really done anything practical about it. So this gentleman now, uh, he's gotten trained as a fatherhood coach, and every week he is meeting two young dads. On alternating weeks, he's meeting two different dads, and he's been trained up to mentor and coach these guys that did not have what he had, which was an active, engaged father. And they're underst- they're help- he's helping them understand what it means to be a loving, God-honoring father. And so as we wrap up this morning, I just wanna share three practical things for you to consider. Number one, would you pray for our ministry? Every day in our city, There are at least seven women who are facing an unexpected pregnancy and are considering abortion. I know that because we place ads online to reach them. So when you wake up in the morning, add to your your regular prayer routine, praying for women who are vulnerable to abortion in that morning, in that moment, because every day it is happening. And if you wanna pray more specifically, I'd love to add you Uh, to our monthly prayer newsletter. Uh, You can get that by email, and you can see uh, either Rachel or I uh, in back, and we would be happy to add you to our prayer newsletter. Would you, like the gentleman who came up to me three years ago, consider if God is calling you to serve in this arena? I will tell you three areas right now that we need are those motherhood and fatherhood coaches. God is bringing more people through our doors, and if that's something that you might be called to do. I would love to talk to you about that after the service. Or maybe being trained up as a client advocate to come alongside women and men, to talk to her about her, to talk to him about him, and to show and share the love of Christ that way. Both of those are roles you would be rigorously trained for. We also have a thrift store, just a few short blocks from here. How many of you have been to our thrift store at Academy of Montebello? Wow, almost half of you. That's awesome. That thrift store is so sweet uh, because it's the opportunity for our clients to not only earn a crib and a car seat and baby clothes and formula and diapers, but now gift cards to that thrift store. And we're always looking for volunteers there as well. And finally, so appreciate this church's heart uh, for supporting what we do. And if you feel led to support what we do financially, know that everything I described this morning is only made possible through the generosity of those who support us. 
As you reflect on the truths I shared this morning, I hope you will prayerfully consider what God is uniquely calling you to do. Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you for life made in your image. I thank you for the plan that you have for each and every one of us. Help us as believers to be winsome representatives of you in a culture that is far from you and does not understand what we know about the value of life. And if there are those here this morning who are feeling stirred to get involved, just open, I would just ask you to open their hearts and minds to, to what you would have for them uh, to uniquely step into an arena of valuing life. Help us to value the lives of those around us every day well and wisely. We love you, Lord. We ask this in your son's precious name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.